Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, how to grow your organizational and productivity practice, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. With every episode, we're going to learn from subject matter experts who can help you build your business in areas like marketing, HR, and finance. We'll also introduce you to business owners who are out there just like you are, and we'll learn from their successes and challenges. Please welcome your host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello out there. This is Sarah Karakayan, your host of the Standout Podcast, growing your organizing and productivity business. And you know what? It's really hard to grow our businesses if we're always worried about taxes. Just when you think you have a handle on your profits and losses, tax time comes around, especially right now. This new tax reform shook things up, and I don't know about you, but my head is spinning just trying to keep up with what's new. So it's perfect timing to welcome to the show Eric Levenhagen of ProWise Financial Coaching. Eric's mission is to empower entrepreneurial abundance. Early on in his career, Eric identified that most of the financial services industry is broken and not built to get entrepreneurs the best results. Eric leads small business owners through a proven process to drive permanent profits into their business, minimize their personal income taxes, and maximize their after-tax wealth. Eric offers all sorts of good stuff to us entrepreneurs, like free masterclasses to his clients to help transform their service business from a money-sucking monster to a cash-generating machine, even if nothing else has worked in the past. He is also working on an in-depth training on the new tax laws, and that announcement will be made in his private, confident, wealth-building Facebook group. And outside of the office, Eric enjoys spending time with his wife and kids. His hobbies include reading, following college and professional football, and music. Eric, welcome to the show. Wow, thanks for having me, Sarah. That, that was a great intro. You really did some homework there, so that was awesome. <laughs> well, you're giving us your precious time, so we want to make sure we uh, do our due diligence there. So welcome. There you go. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and maybe what I didn't cover, and why you got into financial coaching. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think you might have mentioned, you know, I've got 15, over 15 years experience now in different areas of helping small business owners uh, with these different, um, with these different pieces of the financial puzzle, right? And, and you know, the, the old sayings are such that, that all of us went to either school or got our training or, or we have our skill set around what we love to do and not really the numbers or the financial side and nobody ever really teaches us even really you could argue as people but even especially as entrepreneurs how do we handle money how do we interact with these different professionals that we're we there's they say we're supposed to have on our team you know it's all kind of a a confusing conglomeration and, and you never really know for sure if you're getting you know great advice or getting put into the best position you can uh possibly be in and so i identified that early on when I worked for um, a, a small CPA firm and um, realized, you know, they were doing all the, all the regular quote unquote regular stuff, um, you know, bookkeeping, tax preparation, uh, those sort of things. They, they did some other higher level CPA work uh, that doesn't apply to entrepreneurship. But the point is that these people would like come and go and file in and file out and they'd get their, they'd get their numbers crunched or, you know, or they'd, they'd, get their numbers put into little boxes and they'd get them filed and sent off to the government. And, and all those things are important. You need to have, you know, a, a process in place to get that stuff done, but it doesn't help you get better. It doesn't help you grow your business. Right. And so people would leave those, I'll find out later, people leave those meetings still confused about, you know, what does this mean? How do I, I mean, essentially what we tried to boil it down to is, is really two things for our small business owner clients. It's, it's how do I pay as little as I can in personal income tax legally and ethically? And how do I use the information that all these bookkeepers and accountants are putting together to make my business better, to run it better? And so that's really what we focus on. Wow. So you say it's more crucial than ever to have a proactive tax strategist on, on our financial team. So what do you mean by that? Why now more than ever? 
Yeah. Well, and, and so maybe we should take a, a quick step back and just yeah. make sure that everybody's okay with the difference between, you know, what I mean by a, a product of tax strategist, because mm-hmm. most of the time, most CPAs, most tax professionals um, are, are simply tax preparers, right? Which again, nothing wrong with that. We need that as a service. I do that as well. Um, you know, we can prepare taxes, but again, that's simply you know, filling out the report cards, so to speak, at the end of the year or at the end of the term uh, is not going to help you minimize your tax liabilities. What a tax strategist does is comes in and looks forward, is forward thinking, asks you questions about where your business is going and where you want to take it in the coming year, in the next three to five years. And we structure a plan around that to say, you know what, and there might be different milestones in there to say, okay, today, you know, this is your best position to be in. Uh, that's going to serve you for a little while. Then when you hit this point, we're going to change things up and introduce a, you know, another tax strategy or two or however many it takes to get you into the best possible position when you hit this milestone. And usually milestones are based on revenue or net income or size of some sort, right? So, so more forward thinking. Um, and, and, you know, case in point, I mean, we're working, yeah, we're working on 2017 tax returns, but in conjunction with that, we're also working on 2018 and forward tax plans right now, right? So, um, so we're already trying to get people um, into, this, you know, into this mode of thinking and into this, uh, the, their best situation that they can be in. So why it's crucial more than ever now has to do with these new opportunities. And instead of using the term like confusion, right. it's opportunities <laughs> in the tax, in the new tax laws, um, anytime that, and really, you know, anytime that the IRS or Congress creates new tax rules that are somewhat, um, that are somewhat confusing or complex, uh, that creates opportunity for us, um, not to, you know, just opportunity to take advantage of the laws as they sit today and use them to our best advantage. And I've shown, um, on the webinar that you mentioned, and actually, uh, that webinar has already uh, been out and done, and, and maybe we'll do it again here in the in the future, shortly. But um, through that, I give you know a few different examples of people who a you can just what I say sit around and let the new tax law happen to you, which um, means that you know most everybody's going to pay a little bit less, depending on your situation. Of course, most everybody's going to pay a little bit less uh, in tax than what they would have under the old law especially small business owners, but tax rates went down across the board, right? Um, there are a small few people that that's not going to be true, but there's exceptions to every rule. Um, but the, the before and after work that, I, that we showed said that you can sit back and let the tax law happen to you, or you can introduce one or two strategies that are, that are right for you and optimize these new laws and really make a big difference um, on top of the savings that you're already getting, just the natural savings from the new tax law, optimize that so you really get squeeze the most juice out of this thing because it, it is really ripe for potential there. And that's kind of a strung out metaphor, so I'll stop using it. But you know, you get the you get the gist, right? You get the point. Right, right. And would you say that you know a lot of our listeners are solopreneurs, or maybe they have mm-hmm. you know a few subcontractors? So would you say mm-hmm. even be even being strategic throughout the year can benefit? businesses like that, as small as one person? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we have, in fact, several, um, I would venture to say over half of our clients are solopreneurs, or maybe they have one, um, like assistant, you know, um, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a virtual assistant that they turn into a part-time or full-time employee. That's like a large part of our client base. And so, um, so yeah, it, it, it definitely is, is good to be, um, to be proactive in, in that sense. Also, you know, and, and again, it's going to, it's more going to depend on how big your business is and how much net profit you're showing uh, with that company, right? Cause that's what you're getting taxed on. So right. if your business is not producing, you know, very much in profit, um, then there, there's another, <laughs> there's another conversation we can have there. Right. But if it's producing, you know, once we get up to certain levels, and it's hard to say, it's hard to give a rule of thumb. I mean, I've gone as low for some companies, I've gone as low as ten or twenty thousand in, in net income. I've gone as high as fifty to say somewhere in that ballpark, you need to really start looking at some some different strategies and make sure that the strategies you do have, because you probably have something in place, 
Um, e even if it wasn't called a, a, you know, a proactive plan or a tax strategy, they are what they are. It's the same tools that we all use. It's just how we put them together uh, that makes the difference. So you're probably using something and make sure that those things you are using are, again, optimized because a lot of times we see those tools um, become mismanaged, right? Um, so we just got to make sure that we're managing those things properly. But uh, Gotcha. So, so as opposed to just preparing yourself, like you said, for report card time, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this comes <laughs> right? January and February. What are some, and this might be too broad of a question, so you can feel free to, to narrow me in here, but what, okay. what strategies should we be having in place as small business owners throughout the year so that we're ready for report card time that maybe sure. we don't know about because we have financial teams who kind of just get the report card ready and they don't help us throughout the year? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So we, we, there's a few things that we look at, no matter how big or small somebody is, uh, in, in their businesses, we got a few things that, that apply pretty much across the board. Um, of course, having somebody who's going to be able to do this analysis and forward thinking is, is a big thing because, you know, I can give you all the tips in the world. I know it sounds self-serving to a point, but I really have to say it, that this stuff that we're going to talk about isn't really do-it-yourself type of planning. Sure. Right? It's not, there's mm -hmm. not like a TurboTax for, or something else, not plug them, or, you know, whatever other program, yeah. Tax Act, whatever, for, um, for tax planning right? There's ideas out there, but again, it's all how you put them together. And, and that's basically, that's like most of what we see coming in is, you know, so I just, that's why I caution people is um, we get people that have tried to put in, say like, um, you know, an S corporation, making their business from an LLC into an S corporation or sole proprietorship into an S corporation. Um, and, but yet that S corporation is not maintained well. And there's a number of things, uh, you know, uh, that a technical eye can look at and, and spot out with those. Um, but most of the time people put it in place and then shoot themselves in the foot by not maximizing the benefit out of them. So that's just one piece. But so the point is not do it yourself type of type of planning stuff. That said, um, the other big thing that we look into for with everybody is that entity selection is what we call it. So, mm -hmm. you know, as a business owner, you have essentially um, four different classifications that you can be uh, for tax purposes, right? You can be a sole proprietorship, you can be a partnership, you can be an S corporation, or you can be a C corporation. And some people may have heard some of those terms throughout the, you know, throughout time. That's it. Those are the only four. People always ask, what about an LLC? My, I'm, I'm a limited liability company. You didn't mention that. No, I didn't because an LLC is a state legal entity, okay? So it exists on the state level, but as far as a federal tax classification, it's gonna be treated as one of those four things we just mentioned. Does that gotcha. make sense? It does now, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so so for instance, just, and not to be confused, but I'll try and keep this very high level. Um, you know, if you are an LLC, because I know that a lot of people are, right? So that's like the first uh, entity that even we, you know, even when we talk to people, when I talk to somebody who is, um, maybe not hit that first revenue milestone to do a ton of proactive planning and they're not going to really get hit by a huge tax bill so they don't have to worry yet. Um, one of the things I'll do, um, have them kind of, you know, uh, correspond with their attorney as well and make sure that this is okay for their type of business. Uh, but I'll have them go set up an LLC because it's very versatile, right? Uh, if, you're, if you're the only member of your LLC, you can just exist. It will give you some legal protections, which we're not here to talk about, but it does that. It also, you're, if you're the only member, you're going to be taxed like a sole proprietor, mm -hmm. right? So that's just when it's, uh, when the business activity is, is included on your personal return. If you've got more than, you know, two or more members of that LLC, you get taxed as a partnership by default, okay? So those are kind of the default settings and, and a partnership files a separate tax return and then, you know, gives you a, a, a form to include the appropriate items from that business on your personal return. Um, the LLC can elect with, with the IRS to be taxed as, or be treated like either an S or a C corporation, one of the two types of corporations. So mm -hmm. that's how the LLCs kind of pan out, right? So it can be anything, gotcha. essentially, which is why we call it versatile and why uh, it's a good thing. Again, 
generally speaking, is a good thing to, to at least look at and strongly consider if you're still a sole proprietor, okay? Um, so going from that, um, you know, like I said, the, the entity selection choices uh, for a profitable company that, you know, is in that 20 to 50,000 in profit range or maybe even uh, more than that, um, that's going to be one of those things, the, this entity, this, this question of which of the four entities should I be that is going to move the needle the most on their bottom line tax bill uh, by far. Not only just from the specific advantages, so say like, you know, an S corporation, uh, if you've never heard of it, it's just a special election. It, it, it's not like you have to go out and make another corporation with your, with your um, attorney, right? You have the one state legal business entity that you have, LLC or corporation, and that elects to be treated like an S corp. So it's simply a, a tax election okay. is all an S corporation is. And the, the one overriding main benefit of an S corporation is to limit your self-employment tax, which is uh, the thing that replaces Social Security and Medicare, you know, withholdings for self-employed people. Okay. It's an additional 15.3% of your bottom line income uh, from that business activity, which can add up a lot. That's on top of your regular tax. So that adds up really fast for profitable companies. So an S corporation comes in and tries to limit or put a cap on that through various you know, measures, right? We could get into that, but that's a, that's a bit of a complex thing for, for the show, okay? okay. <laughs> but that's, that's the basics of what it does. Um, now, there are other things. In a C corporation, you know, the basic um, uh, benefit there is that it has, you know, again, you got to kind of look at personal rates. It has a, uh, we used to say a, a lower, a, a nice low rate uh, tax rate. It used to be 15%, and now under the new tax law, it's a flat rate of 21%. So it used to be, you know, we could get a little bit of income, like up to $50,000 in a C corporation taxed at 15%. Um, and then it kind of went up from there up to a top rate of 35%. So it got kind of big and nasty quick. But if, you, if your income was smaller, it maybe made sense to, to look at that for uh, specific things. Now it's 21%, which, yeah, there are still personal rates, you know, uh, when we compare it to the personal rates that are more than 21 So. Um, there, there's still a possibility there that, that it might help you, that might be lower than your personal return, especially depending on what other sources of income that you have, right? Um, if, if the business is not your sole um, uh, piece of income, or sole source of income, rather, then you got to kind of look at putting all these things together. But so, so just basically extending this lower tax rate is what a C corporation is good for. Now, they all have downfalls, too. You know, as corporations are terrible for fringe benefits, C corporations get double taxed. So you get the 21%. Then when you pull it out, you get taxed again at another 20%. Some people think, why the heck would I do, want to do that? I mean, there are applications for all of these things. So I'm not going to say that, you know, I mean, you have to consider the, the pros and cons. Right. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, you know, it is, it, it is by far going to make the biggest difference um, to get that handled correctly. So even if you are, so like the, the mismanaged S corporation I talked about just a little bit ago, right, is the biggest um, the most mismanaged entity that I see coming into my office is the S corporation. Um, so I always tell people, you know, we start talking about entities and they say, Oh yeah, I already have an S corporation. And I start just basically ask, I ask them two questions. A, do you know why you are an S corporation? <laughs> and most people, I mean, the answer is because my tax person told me that yep. that's the <laughs> best way to do it. Yep. <laughs> like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for probably 90% of 95% of people, that's, that's what I get for an answer. And fine. Great. You know, I, I love that you trust your tax person, but you really need to know at a high level. The answer is to minimize your self-employment tax. That's why you're an S corporation more than likely. Um, then the second question is, do you know that you're how to maximize that strategy? Right. Do you know you're handling it well? Or, or, you know, again, over half of the S corps that we see are, Handling it in such a way, and again, it's really complex, but the bottom line is they're handling it in such a way that they'd be better off just being a sole proprietor because they're not, their S-Corp isn't doing them any good. They just are mismanaging it so much with how much uh, uh, Social Security and Medicare tax they're actually paying. So I don't know, if, did, I, did I lose you there? Did, is no, that still, make, are you still tracking with me? I am following you, yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, that's great because uh, I try and keep it and always check with the hosts because it's, yes. it's likely that if you're still tracking, everybody listening is still, but if your head is spinning, then we got to back up. So 
I may have uh, to replay this episode <laughs> once or twice. Exactly. But right. yeah. <laughs> Lots of lessons there. Yes. Yeah, so it sounds like to me, if you've started a business, even if you've gotten advice from a tax professional, maybe with someone who doesn't, I, I won't go there. Maybe you get advice from a tax professional. It's probably mm-hmm. not best to DIY your your business because we could be missing out on um, certain tax breaks that we have no idea that we're missing out on. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and the thing I'll add to that is you should look for, you know, some other type of either designation or training. That might be a certification that they have. Um, that may be uh, just asking them some pointed questions about what types of planning strategies they've used in the past. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you, if you Google me enough and, and I think the article is called, how do you know you have the right advisor or something like that? Um, there's an article that exists out there that I wrote, uh, that, that gives people those pointed questions, right? So they can go check that out. Um, but looking for something that, that signifies that that person or that firm has, uh, experience and training with these proactive strategies, because I tell you a lot of the you know, whether it's CPAs or enrolled agents or other tax professionals, um, they all have this training to a point on, you know, complying with the tax law. And they all have, you know, they all have training on the tax law itself, but have they been taught how to implement it in a small business situation so that it's best for the business owner ahead of time? Or, and, and one easy thing to, gauge this on is do they have multiple meetings with you throughout the year or do they meet with you at tax time? Right. And when you meet at tax time, because I meet with my clients at tax time too, other times as well, but at tax time, are they more focused on getting the tax return done or have they pretty much got it wrapped up and then they're bringing up conversation about the future? Right. right? So those are little things you can think back to as well to say, um, you know, kind of gauge whether or not you have a proactive professional. So are you reaching out to your clients, you know, maybe July and then again in October, November and just seeing how things are going and providing some insight or what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, generally that said, I mean, people get um, uh, meetings with me around tax time. So coming up here in the next month or so mm-hmm. um, or two, and we're talking about, you know, again, by that time I've, I'm in communication with them over email and other, and other methods but we pretty much got their tax return preparation done. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're going to start looking harder at 2018 and what else, you know, what else can they be doing? What else are we missing? What questions do they have about the future? Uh, mid-year, we do, uh, a lot of clients get a mid-year checkup as well. And then, a, and then a fourth quarter, almost everybody gets a fourth quarter meeting where we, it's kind of like our last go around before the end of the year, because the end of the year is really your, your real first tax deadline for the, for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, there, there are plenty of these strategies I talk about that would be good if you implemented them on January 1st. So you can kind of look at that, of, you know, so like for this year, January 1 of 2018 would have been the best time to implement some of these, you know, proactive strategies. However, it's better late than never. So, you know, even, even if you miss that deadline, you should still get in, you can still get in early and get a lot of stuff done. Um, but on top of that, too, I mean, you know, by the time December 31st hits, um, of this year. I mean, that's like, our hands are, are almost tied. There's only like one or two things we can even remotely look at doing, uh, after December 31st of every year that will affect your, your prior year taxes. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So, so we make sure that everybody gets that meeting in as well. And then, and then quite simply, um, just, I mean, my clients have unlimited access to me year round. That's how we, that's how we roll because we don't even want to, put things into those boxes um, of the, you know, tax time, mid-year, end-of-year type of scenarios. Like if people have questions and need to make a decision about something, like the lines of communication should be open constantly. Because otherwise what will happen, even if we have three or four scheduled meetings, you know, if you have a meeting once a quarter, that's great. But that's still three months in between seeing somebody, right? right. That's three months before you get to come ask somebody questions again. And so, uh, so what's going to happen? You're going to save up and bottle up all your questions and then lay them on us, right. you know, in a rapid fire thing. And that can work, but it doesn't work the best. And it doesn't help you make the decision that you made two months ago that I, that I say, wow, if you would have let me know 
that you were buying that or selling that or made that much more, whatever the case is, if you would have let me know that then, I could have helped you out a lot better. Right. So, so, so that's all in the proactive nature of the, of the strategy as well. Well, I like what you said too, you know, Yes, we'll have questions. I'll have questions sometime in my own business and I'll, I'll find a way to get an answer. But sometimes mm-hmm. I don't even know what questions to ask. So if I had someone on my side who is, like you said, proactively, you know, saying, hey, Sarah, you have no idea that you just did this and it, it's going to affect this, but I do. And so now let's, let's, that to me is value because mm-hmm. how do you, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Yeah, that's just exactly what I was going to say. I can't, I can't sum it up any better. You know, you don't know what's what's out there lurking behind that curtain that you didn't know existed to look behind or that false that false wall, you know, but yeah. it's going to jump out and, and, and get you because it's there and you didn't know about it. And nobody warned you about it. Right. And so that's, that's exactly the type of pitfalls that people run into that we try to um, help them avoid. Yeah. So is it too big of a question to ask you to talk a little bit about this new tax reform? What does it mean for us small business owners? What changes? I know you said it's a little bit of a smaller uh, tax for us now, which is great, but is there any Mm -hmm. other insight you can give us that's not a whole webinar's (laughs) like full? (laughs) Right. You know, some of the, yeah, that's a great question. Some of the highlights are this. So yeah, I talked about, you know, the personal tax brackets that went down across the board. Uh, so, you know, everybody's, everybody's income is taxed at a little bit lesser rate. Um, and some of the business stuff, I mean, I, I get a lot of questions about how does this affect like the actual operation of our business or decisions we may make in our business outside of some of this strategy stuff that we were just talking about. And, and really, there's very limited pieces that are going to affect like your day-to-day operation. Okay. Right. So, so we'll get that out of the way. I mean, there's some things I could hitch on to with that, but overall, there's not a ton of stuff that's really going to be life or death, you know, really expensive if you miss out on. Okay. Probably the biggest thing that people are, are kind of um, uh, still sulking over, including myself, I'm very sad about this, is that, um, that business entertainment used to be a deduction. Um, so uh, it used to be that, you know, technically you were supposed to have a business meeting and then you could take your client out to... Um, you know, out to yeah. a sporting event or golfing or a, you know, a theater, you know, show of some sort. And for that entertainment piece, you would get a 50% deduction okay. for that. Uh-huh. Now that deduction is gone. Wow. So, yeah. So what um, about meals and drinks? Is that still something that we can deduct or? So meals, and there's a, you know, a lot of information going back and forth about it. Generally speaking, meals are all still deductible but at a 50% rate, which isn't too terribly different. So the only time that really changed, and and this may not be as beneficial for your audience if they're a bunch of solopreneurs, uh, but if there's anybody that's not a solopreneur, it used to be like if you had employees, it used to be that you could, um, uh, you know, buy them a lunch or a late dinner if you had them working overtime or harder to meet a deadline, that sort of thing. Used to be 100% deductible. Now they scale that back to just 50% as well. So most all meals are 50%. The only time you kind of get out of that, uh, for right now anyways, is if you have, um, if the meal is part of a meeting or a presentation, like if you have a training event, Mm -hmm. and this could work for subcontractors just as well as it works for employees, or it could be a sales event for prospects and customers. If you have a meal provided as a part of that meeting, then you can code that as a, as a, you should be able to code that as a meeting expense and get it, and get it deducted that way. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so the meals and entertainment thing is, is the big one um, that, does, that can affect your kind of day-to-day, how you're planning out some of these things. Um, but, uh, and, and on the webinar, I, by the way, I go into a lot more detail on that and actually give a strategy or two to try and overcome that. But I'm not going to get into that here just because it's um, a little long. Yeah. But, um, but let's see. The other big, probably the big thing for a highlight view, so we've, we've got rid of the fact that, you know, your day-to-day is not going to change much. Um, if we think past that, some of these strategies I've been talking about, um, there, there's one big thing that is still very complex that people um, and professionals, including myself, are still waiting on some answers for. But here's what we know right now. They created a new type of income, okay, um, called qualified business income. Now, what does that mean? Qualified business income is essentially, think of it as your net income from your operations. So it can't be like, um, 
Well, it can't be wages you pay yourself. It can't be um, dividends or interest, you know, if your company has investments. But if it's just regular operations, like you got money from customers, you paid your expenses, you're left over with X dollars, right? Mm -hmm. That's business, that's income from operations. If that money came from or comes through either a sole proprietorship, a partnership, or an S corporation, then it potentially qualifies for this to be qualified business income. That's important because if uh, uh, barring some other limitations, again, which are pretty complex, if you can't see them, uh, I don't want to confuse too many people. Sure. There are limitations to this, but if you don't hit those limitations, then as much as 20% of that um, qualified business income may be able to get deducted from your personal taxes. Because remember all those, so two things real quick. Remember all those um, entities that I just listed, right. the partnership, the sole proprietor, and the S corporation are what they all call pass-through entities. So they're all getting taxed. All that money is getting taxed on your personal return. So that's why we're looking, even though we're talking business strategy, we're looking at your personal taxes, right? Okay. Um, and so when that money comes over, so let's say, I'm going to give this example just for really easy math. So let's say you had an S corporation or any of the, any of those three really uh, entities that made a hundred thousand dollars. Again, okay. easy math, hundred thousand gets put as taxable income on, or as, you know, gross income on your tax return. And then if you don't hit any of these other limitations, you qualify for the full deduction, 20% or $20,000 of that, you'll get a $20,000 deduction later on on your tax return because you had income in that qualified business income bucket. Is that making sense? Yeah, yeah. So like there's a fifth of your profit that may be tax-free, wow. which is a huge opportunity. Now, remember what I said, huge opportunity comes from complexity in the tax code. So this thing is really complex, right? Um, there are pitfalls with this. There are if, you're, if your income on your personal return is above certain levels, that 20% starts to whittle away. So what we're working with uh, for clients is making sure they can maximize as much of that 20% deduction as possible, A, without shooting themselves in the foot for their other tax strategies, like their overall tax has to get reduced, right? Mm -hmm. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. um, and two, and probably the, the big thing right now, we're kind of, I don't want to say treading water, but we're being careful because this qualifies as a personal tax change because it happens on your personal return. Again, even though it's only generated from business income, so I realize that gets confusing, mm -hmm. but it is a personal tax change and all the personal tax changes, including the lower rates across the board that I talked about, are all going to disappear um, on after 2025, right? So they only put it into play for so many years they had to do that to get it, get the law passed. There's a big okay. story why on that. But they had essentially they had to do this to get the law passed overall. The speculation or the the expectation is that later on Congress and Washington will push that deadline out, right? But right now that's the law that we live with. And so we're not only looking to maximize this 20% deduction today and you know up until then, but we're also making sure that hey, if these things do go away and we revert back to basically last year's tax code in 2026, um, am I still going to be sitting in an okay spot? Right. So there's a lot of considerations there to make. Ooh, all right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Shake it out. I know yeah, it's, it's right? like dizzying, right? It's, uh, it's good stuff though. Yeah. It's important though, because if you don't like, yeah, if you don't know that you have these, like you said, opportunities, I don't even, mm -hmm. I don't even know. I just feel like, yeah, it's one thing to trust someone that you hire to to know these things, but if if they don't actually know, then you could be missing out on some money. Yeah, right. Well, and and you know, with a lot of things too, and we're talking about, you know, how I mean, like, you know, this stuff is really confusing, and some people. Uh, maybe ready to throw their hands up and just be like, you know, forget it. I don't want to deal with, <laughs> with this stuff. Um, you know, two things. Number one is that, you know, at least in our office, um, and we don't, let's be halfway transparent. Like we don't, you know, there's only so much I can say about our client base, but I can tell you that we don't work with a ton of clients, you know, in the, in the stratosphere of tens or hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue, right? Sure. We are working with small base, uh, small and mid-sized business owners. And like I said, over half our bases is, uh, our solo entrepreneurs or maybe have one, uh, employee. Mm -hmm. So the average, um, 
average savings that are generated, and this is, again, if you haven't been working with a product professional before, um, and you're generating business income, right? Um, uh, the average savings that we generate, usually somewhere around between five and $10,000 per year is what we can spot out by using these strategies. And so before you say, oh man, this is you know, way confusing and I just don't want to deal with it. Let me just go back and you know, put my head down and run my business as best as I can. I mean, think about how much work you need to do to create five to $10,000 of bottom line profit in your pocket, not even revenue. Yeah. But after all expenses, bottom line profit that you can go out and spend, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and again, you know, when, when people meet with us, like we try very hard to keep this all, um, you understand it at a high level, but again, you leave the, you leave the heavy lifting details to us. You right. know what I mean? Uh, and, and that's the key. But uh, so, yeah, to, you know, to your point, it's, it's tough to know. We always keep... Um, what I call like a doctor frame with these types of, of situations with, with our clients. So, and at the very beginning of that, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like going to the doctor where if you, you know, if you go into your doctor and he, uh, he or she, you know, that professional gives you a clean bill of health, you know, checks, does all the tests, does everything, clean bill of health, great, see you next year. You feel good about that, right? Like, hey, this professional who went through all this training and schooling and has all this experience told me I'm healthy, but I still kind of feel like crap and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. so it never hurts to get, even, even if you've had the same doctor for years, yeah. even if, you know, they're your grandparents or your parents' doctor, whatever it is, you know, we've got people like that. Um, it never hurts to get a second opinion, especially if you just got this gut feeling that, man, they do a great job at what they do, but I just feel like there's got to be something else that could happen here. Like, you know what I mean? There's, I, I just feel like I'm spending a boatload on taxes. I really would like to keep more of this. You know, sure. so what we found is that, like, and again, I don't have any specific stats on it, but I'd probably say nine times out of 10, your intuition about those things are right, yeah. even if you don't have the right questions to ask. And that's part, that's part of the problem, right? Is that you don't, even with the doctor example, you don't know the right questions to ask. You just know that somehow you feel not quite right and you want to double checked. Right. So yeah. that's, that's the thing that we, um, you know, that's the frame that we keep with it and, uh, and how we help people the most is giving them that second opinion. So besides, actually, you know what, we're going to take a quick break. Um, and as soon as we come back, I've got another couple great questions for you. If you're, if you're still game. <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, great. So we'll take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. The Acceleration Learning Series offered by the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals includes Ask the Organizer Panels, Business Building Block Sessions, and Connecting with Corporate Partner Presentations. These one-hour conference calls are only available to NAPO members. Visit napo.net to learn more about membership and our Acceleration Learning Series. Okay, we are back and we are talking all things tax strategy with Eric. Eric, besides not having, I know this is huge, not having the right tax professional on our side, what other giant mistakes are we making as entrepreneurs when it comes to making money and taxes within our business? Yeah, I think the other the other big one that I left on the table uh, before the break here um, that that I'm glad you came uh, helped me come back around to pick up on is you know a lot of people when we're talking about different strategies. Um, case in point, I, I'll just tell you, I was on a um, an, an online forum of business owners earlier this uh, no, it was last week already, and uh, whenever it was, it was recently, and. Um, I, they were talking about that. Somebody had a question about a specific strategy or specific thing to do. And I quoted some tax law and said, you know, have their tax professional look into this. It's completely doable. And they were talking about um, deducting their kids um, tuition, college tuition as a business expense mm-hmm. and knowing if there was any better way to do it other than taking the credits on their personal return. I quoted them some law and man, like, 20 people jumped on that and were like, don't do that. That's tax dodging. You're going to go to jail, like all this stuff. And, you know, it's just like, well, wait a second. Like I actually gave a citation in the tax <laughs> <Aww>. code. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and said, check it out, you know, because it may or may not apply to that specific person's situation. It was a two yeah. sentence question on a yeah. forum. I'm like, but I mean, that's the, that's the really big thing. And I know a lot of business owners are kind of in this mindset that they're, they, they're a little bit afraid of the IRS, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and so what I tell everybody is that you should respect their power, but don't be afraid of them. Mm-hmm. By all means, because if you, I always call it checking, checking the boxes, right? Like we have a system and a process for all of these tax strategies, whether we're getting it from the tax code or a tax court case or wherever we're get, pulling our authority from that says you can do this. It's always, it's never that simple. It's, it's a, you can do this if, and then there's a whole list of qualifiers, right? Yeah. So we check, we literally check the boxes for people and be like, okay, you can do this if we structure you this way and, and do these things. And so we make sure that they're legitimate strategies. But, but even at that, um, most people tend to leave that money on, you know, a lot of money on the table because they're afraid to take a tax strategy or, or um, uh, take a tax deduction or implement a strategy that they may have never heard of or may have never heard of implemented in the way we talk about, right? Um, and, and, you know, probably a very common one that will probably affect a lot of your um, uh, listeners as well is the home office deduction, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, this is, and, and when I'm at a live presentation, I always ask people, um, how many of you, um, you know, take the home office deduction and only a couple of hands go up, if any. And then I say, how many of you that don't take the home office deduction are doing so because you read it raises a red flag instantaneously and more like, like tons of hands with that, right? <laughs> So like, huh? <laughs> you know, it's like, and not come on to them. It's come on to the people that put out this stuff. Right. You know, these, um, and I'm not going to call it, but you know, news plays, websites, and articles, and other speakers and things. You know, home offices raised a red flag. Like I don't know, back in the '80s, maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we've had a lot of changes since. I I don't know the exact term, it's, but it's been a long time. Um, and so that I mean, that's a very legitimate strategy that people should be taking advantage of. But again, you got to check the boxes on it and you got to have somebody to help you do that. So, so that's the other big thing is just, is just, you know, uh, fearing rather than respecting the IRS is, is a big mistake. Right. Right. It's like with most things, if you've got fear getting your way, you could be, uh, you know, not taking advantage of some really great opportunities. Absolutely. Um, I have a question for you that I think a lot of our listeners are going to be really interested to hearing your answer. Um, Yes, a lot of listeners are solopreneurs, but I know a lot of us are interested in growing. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us about the difference between um, having employees versus subcontractors as it relates to our taxes and and, and business structure? Wow. Okay. Um, That's a big question. But (laughs) let me just... (laughs) <laughs> let me just graze the top of that one. Let, let me just start. I'll, I'll say this for, for that. And this is a common, I still find a, a, a common misconception because the question that I get coming in, this is probably the best way to, to approach this. Okay. The question that I get coming in is, you know, I'm thinking about hiring somebody to help me. Should I pay them as a contractor or a, an employee? And the, so the thing you got to keep in mind is that like you can ask the question and we can talk about what's better and what's not better. And there's a lot of variables that may go into that. But at the end of the day, like it's all about how you structure that person's um, work relationship with your company. That's what drives whether or not the law says you have to treat them like a contractor or an employee. So the bottom line takeaway from this, uh, from that piece is if you're hiring help, and you've determined that it's, it is better to say have con- independent contractors instead of employees. You better make sure that your, uh, that your work, working relationship with them mm-hmm. is set up so that if the IRS ever scrutinized it, or more likely it's going to be your state's Department of Labor that probably scrutinizes it and says, oh, no, these people are employees. That's a huge, like, that's a huge penalty gotcha. if you get that classification incorrect. And there's about, I mean, there's an IRS form with three pages worth of, of boxes to check on that stuff. You don't have to check all of them, but it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's sometimes kind of subjective, but there, there are some objective things in there that we really, you know, push those scales in your favor on whatever classification you want to use. Sure. That being said, under the new law, um, there, there are some benefits to having employees if 
if you have a growing business and or if your personal income, excuse me, if your personal income is above a certain amount, they call it taxable income, so you'll just have to, I don't have enough time to, to go into all these definitions, but sure. um, essentially if your taxable income is above, like if you're married um, and filing a joint return, it has to be like 315000 and if you're single, it's 157500 If your income's above those thresholds as a, as a business owner, then that 20% deduction we were talking about before yep. starts to get limited. And that's okay. just one of the three ways it starts to get limited. But one of the limitations that that calculation is tied to is how much you pay out in W-2 wages. Mm -hmm. So if you're paying a lot of people in contractor on, on a 1099, that's not going to count towards the limitation. And so that may, now that's not the only reason to have employees, but that's a consideration, right? So with the new tax law. Um, the other things you got to look into, I mean, you know, some states have some, you know, usually it's state by state issues, right? Some states have really wild um, rules about, you know, hiring employees. And some people just like in California, I don't think you can, you know, fire anybody for like 20 years if you hire, no, it's, it's a joke. But I mean, like it's, you know, it's far out there, right? They've got a lot of employee protections in place. And so you got to be able to navigate those or set up your structures to, to have a independent contractor. Mm -hmm. um, the dollars and cents wise of it, I mean, that's negotiable and that comes out in the end. That's the thing that you should know as well. Like, you know, if you're an employee, or sorry, if you, if you hire an employee rather uh, versus an independent contractor, now you're, you're not only paying them their wage or their, you know, their fee, but you're also paying you know, all these uh, employment taxes and you got to figure workers comp issues into that equation. And sometimes that can get expensive. And so there's all these additional costs, or you could just kind of like raise the contractor fee a little bit, structure it so that they can be a contractor, raise their fee a little bit and, push all that to them, right? So they can pay their own employment taxes and right. they handle their own insurance and all that other stuff. So if it's doable, you know, if you're in a situation where it's doable to work it either way and it just uh, takes some structuring to do that, then you really got to look at some of those other, you know, pros and cons, state by state issues, that sort of thing. Um, but those are the types of questions to start asking. Right. right. That's great. That's great. That's, I mean, yeah. So if, is there anything, because I don't know what I don't know, is there anything sure. else, you've got limited time here, that you'd like to share with our audience? I always like to leave them with, I say, two sticky notes. Us organizers and productivity professionals love sticky notes. So if, awesome. you, could, if you could leave us with two sticky notes that our listeners can implement into their business, if not today, sometime soon, that would make a big impact on their business. What would you leave us with? Okay. Well... Goodness, that's a good, that's a good thing. It's like two, two little takeaways. Um, you know, first and foremost, I would go back to this whole idea of, of have, a, have a proactive planner on your financial team somewhere. Um, like I said before, you know, that's, that's the sticky note piece. But like I said before, all, all we have right now, especially with this new tax law and this 20% deduction, and we don't have even time to go into how messed up and complex that thing is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's still some things that we're waiting on, you know, to know how to actually um, apply that in certain circumstances. And so what I'll say is, you know, and this is what I tell everybody, like we have, we have the first like base layer of tax law. Tax law is actually built off of like several layers of guidance where there might be um, regulations or different rules that come down from the IRS or the treasury department. It might be court cases years from now. It, you know, it's all these other pieces of guidance that we get. All we have right now is the base layer, which is the tax code. Mm -hmm. So as this gets built out more and more, things, you know, some of the advice I'm given today and in, in, either here or on the webinar may change when some of these other additional pieces of guidance come out and we get more information. And so, you know, it, there, it's going to be a constantly, if you're affected by the pieces of the new tax law, um, it's going to be a constantly changing landscape for the next handful of years. And so sure. you got to be prepared to, you don't want to get, you don't want to wait until, you know, this time in a year, like for, for last year and be like, oh, you know, this changed and now you're, you're paying a lot of, a lot more than what you expected type of situation. So, um, so that's, I mean, that's one, and that's probably the biggest one for sure. And then, man, what else would I, what else would I say after all this? Um, <laughs> Is there a good way for us to stay organized through the year when it, so that we can make your job easier or um, just have a better understanding of? Oh, sure. Um, so as far as organization goes, yeah. And I know you, you'd, you'd asked me that in our, in our pre-show chat a little bit about, 
computer software. Um, you know, so as far as just uh, for, you know, especially for a solopreneur, um, organizing income and expenses is, is huge, um, not only for, for tax time, but um, for, uh, you know, just for running your business as right. well and knowing kind of where you sit and, and, and where you're spending money and all this stuff. As your business gets bigger, you'll want that system ironclad and in place because you won't, you know, some people now can like keep, I remember the days where I could keep all this stuff up in my head right. <laughs> about what, what am I spending and, you know, all this stuff and, and it just gets away from you. So, um, so that's a big thing uh, as, as far as being organized. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of um, programs out there to do that. I gravitate towards QuickBooks and QuickBooks online uh, just because it's what I'm comfortable with or what I've used for years. Um, I know different professionals, you know, check with your professional uh, right. that you end up choosing because, you know, some people like I met uh, a CPA um, a couple months ago, absolutely despises QuickBooks online. Won't, won't take you on if, you, if that's what you use. Right. And they have their reasons. And so fine. So go, you know, use, but use something, right? Yeah. Um, and, and at the very, like, if that's overwhelming to you right now, the very simplest thing that you can do, especially if you're, if you're just starting out or just recently transitioned is go open a separate bank account for your business only. And just, that's the only discipline then that you have to have really is keeping your receipts. And I, don't have it handy, but I have a, like a Pendaflex file that has every month, you know, labeled. Yep. Yep. And, um, I, so I grab my receipts. And I just like pile them up and shove them into each month. That's, that's the best of my organization because I'm keeping it in QuickBooks or my separate checking account. Right? right. And you can do the same thing. So you have all the backup there, but, uh, uh, keep that separate checking account and run just all your business activity through that. Because then at the very least, if you don't get an accounting software implemented at the end of the year, somebody can go through very easily and say, Oh, all these are your business transactions. And then we can go through and, and uh, code them quickly. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. All right. So at the end of the day, it just sounds like we need a really great <laughs> tax strategist on our team. <laughs> ah, so that's, that's good to know. And you know, I don't know how, how we could be a successful business or solopreneur if we don't have the right team members. So thank you for Absolutely. all of your insight. Um, where can our listeners find out more about you? Where do you hang out on the web? Yeah, sure. A couple of different places. Um, so if you just want to look at our, um, some of our training about financial coaching, uh, go check out and see what that's about. Our website is prowisefinancial.com. And if you hit us up on Facebook, so we have ProWise Financial Coaching as our business page on Facebook. Um, but uh, a lot of action also happens in our private Facebook group uh, called Confident Wealth Building. Uh, the link to that is, I mean, you can search Confident Wealth Building on Facebook. Links also on the website homepage uh, as well. So, um, and when I, when I say it's private, I mean, I just want to make sure that people, the right people are joining that will get value from it, and not right. like robo robots or stuff like that coming in. So um, sure. don't, don't be afraid to quote unquote, apply for Great. membership there. Great. Uh, I can't thank you enough for your time today. We really appreciate it. I feel I have so many more questions that I didn't even get to, but um, <laughs> I think what, you know, what we shared awesome. today is, is really helpful. So thank you. Very good. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Eric. That's all for this episode of Stand Out, brought to you by the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to learn more about our educational offerings, our local chapters, and both certification and certificate opportunities. Don't miss an episode as we help you build the business you've always dreamed of owning.